Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and today we are talking to some awesome individuals about a project that they have been working on called Braille Bites, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a moment, but just to give you a teaser, these are bite-sized re recipes for big fun and early skill development in Braille reading and writing. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that in a moment, but I want to introduce our guests. So we have Adam Wilton and Jen Gesso from the Provincial Resource Center for the Visually Impaired. Welcome. Great to be here. Yes. yes. Thanks for having us. And Daphne Hitchcock from Braille Literacy Canada. Welcome, Daphne. Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. Yeah. So maybe we can start by each of you introducing your your roles and your organizations, just to give people a better sense of what is uh, Braille Literacy Canada and PRCVI. So Daphne, why don't you go first? Sure. So Braille Literacy Canada used to be the Canadian Braille Authority, and then we, we changed our name, but we're still the same organization. We're 30 years old or 31, I guess now. And um, we welcome uh, parents, we welcome professionals, TBIs, university professors, researchers, um, people with lived experience uh, using Braille. And we are just um, really our mission is to improve the access to information in Braille for those who are, are blind, visually impaired or deaf blind. And we really um, welcome everyone. We provide a really cool program called the Brailler Bounce, where we rehome uh, donated Brailers into homes across Canada. They're refurbished. And we have a really great uh, new group, this a couple of years old now, called the Braille Zoomers, which is a mentoring group to support adults in who are learning Braille in their later years. So um, my background is I uh, am a teacher with for students who, who have visual impairments, and I Absolutely love doing that job and retired a few years ago and then re-retired. Um, and uh, I worked in the school districts in, well, started in Alberta and then spent most of my years in British Columbia working with families in different school districts and supporting students. And currently I'm president for Braille Literacy Canada. Awesome. And... Adam and Jen. Um, Adam, you've been on the podcast before, so welcome back. Thank but, you. Uh, Always yeah. a pleasure to be back. Yeah. yeah. Please introduce PRCVI and, and each of your roles. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll introduce myself and, and say a few words about PRCVI, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to Jen. So my name is Adam, and uh, I'm the program manager of the Provincial Resource Center for the Visually Impaired. We are a, a Ministry of Education and Child Care provincial outreach program. Uh, and we are mandated to provide resource and material support to uh, students who are blind or have low vision across the British Columbia kindergarten through grade 12 sector. Um, and uh, within that, uh, within that program, um, we also support 
students with print or perceptual disabilities as well um, through the Accessible Resource Center, British Columbia, which is our online repository of digital alternate format materials um, for students with print or perceptual disabilities. Um, as I mentioned, I'm the program manager at PRCVI, and I'm really delighted that, Jen, you're here as well. Yeah, thanks. So I'm Jen, and I am the outreach PRCBI Outreach Coordinator. So my uh, background is as a teacher of students with visual impairments, but my role at PRCBI is to provide um, outreach to teachers of students with visual impairments and their students across BC. And Jen, you also have been a Braille user, correct? Yes, I have been a Braille user since, um, well, uh, I learned it as a when I was um, in elementary school, but I didn't really embrace it and start using it until I was sort of end of high school, beginning of university age. All right, so let's talk about Braille bites. What the heck is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, I'll tell you, Braille bites is a video series um, that we developed collaboratively with with Daphne and our our friends and colleagues at Braille Literacy Canada to really address a need we saw for uh, accessible, easy um, activities for parents and guardians and anyone really who's supporting young children who are blind or have low vision to develop their tactile exploration skills. Um, and so we we call it Braille Bites and and we some of our our recipes, and I'll explain the recipes piece in a minute, are are really focused on kind of early skills for, for students who may eventually learn to read and write in Braille. Um, but really our intention was to create fun, engaging activities that, um, that really get young visually impaired learners uh, engaging um, with touch as a, uh, a sensory learning channel. Can you talk about why that's important? For, for us, uh, one of those, the, the really important piece was that we often in, an, in, a, in a visiocentric world like ours, um, touch is often overlooked in terms of its importance for information and communication. And so we really wanted to emphasize that channel um, because even for students who have uh, some functional vision, uh, touch will more than likely be an important part of their broader functional sensory profile. Uh, so we wanted to create a space, an engaging, a fun space um, where we could uh, provide tips and strategies and games and activities uh, for beginning to focus on, on touch as a really key part of the early development and learning of uh, blind and low vision students. I imagine even if you're not going to be a braille reader, if you're visually impaired, uh, it's an important skill. I know for myself growing up, apparently like well before I knew I had a visual impairment, I was using my hands to understand my world a lot. So I think it's really important. Yeah, I think what you're saying too, Sean, is it's that it's a, attaching meaning to what you're touching and to really um, understand how things interconnect and connect together um, and, and guiding a child in their exploration of, of things um, through either uh, uh, writing, having the child write on your hand if they're nervous about touching something or um, providing that sort of description of what they're looking at as they're looking at it and helping them to make those connections were really, really vital for moving a child forward, I think, in their understanding. 
understanding of the world around them. And, and also that we provide things that are at, at readable reach for the child, not something that is, is too high up or too low down, something where they can stand and rest comfortably and touch and, and really focus on what their hands are doing, not on balance or something else. <laughs> mm, yeah, good point. So are the videos targeting a certain age of child? That's a great question, Sean. Originally, we set out to create videos for um, the early childhood group. So zero to five years, let's say. But what we've heard in terms of feedback is that the activities can be easily adapted for students at a variety of different developmental levels. Um, and so one of the, we've actually uh, recommended some of the activities for students in the school system who maybe because they're um, profile is more complex with visual impairment as just one of those features of their profile, um, that they use these activities in a, you know, an age and developmentally appropriate way, but um, where the student may still be working on the same goal as, let's say, a counterpart in the early childhood years. So we originally set out for the early childhood set, but we found that um, the content has great relevance beyond Okay. And I think there's 10 videos or 10 will, there will be 10. Is that? Uh, we is actually that right? have 12 posted. Ooh, oh, okay, cool. As well as two shorts. Um, and our third short actually comes out tomorrow featuring the one and only Jen Gesso. <laughs> awesome. So do they build on each other? Do you, should you do them in order? Can, cause I was looking at the descriptions and some of the activities sounded like you, you could really, you'd have stuff around your home already and others, maybe you might need some supplies. Like, does it matter the order? Uh, well, I'll just tell, I'll tell you kind of our original goal and then what it kind of, what it grew into. Um, so originally these were activities that were clustered thematically. Um, but what we found is that some of the activities had more in common between clusters than within. Um, and so there's a lot of different cross connections, um, to different, to, to, um, different pieces. And so, uh, ultimately what we ended up, um, doing was posting them in the order that they're posted now, which is just, you know, they kind of, they stand alone. Um, but then we realized the different connections. And so that's where our winter shorts came from in that our winter shorts were, were short one minute videos that provided extensions to existing recipes and connections to others. Um, and I think moving forward, as we create other episodes, we're going to try to do that to build connections so that these all fit together in some way, um, rather than being only used as, as standalone recipes. And in regards to the supplies that you need to do them, we really put a lot of effort into making sure that they were using supplies that you can find around the house or find easily at a store and that are easy to obtain and, and collect together to do the activity. Awesome. Yeah. I was curious how how you chose the activities like are these just like teacher of the visually impaired go-to's or <laughs> what how did that come to be how did you decide what you were going to do well I have to say some of them were teacher of the visually impaired go-to's I I 
did use the uh, number of the activities with students as, uh, um, especially the really really um, beginner readers um, and begin beginner um, kindergarten age students. But as as Adam has said, some of those activities were also adapted for some of my older students who had um, multiple exceptionalities and and really um, needed lots of extrasensory input just to move and acquire information so and um yeah yeah no they were go-tos <laughs> <laughs> okay so are there like some core there must be some core skills that that are you know those themes that you're mentioning or the crossover like i mean i know just a little bit from being in this community for quite a while and listening to many, many presentations about many different things. But um, what what would you say are sort of like the top skills that you're trying to build on or concepts that you're trying to teach through these recipes? Sean, the number one thing I feel is uh, there are definitely skills, but I think the biggest thing for for us as as teachers of students with visual impairments is that young learners or any visually impaired learner um, comes to trust touch as a viable means of gathering uh, information about their world. And so using activities like this really help to center touch and, and prioritize it and promote it and honor it. And, um, and so that was really what we were trying to accomplish with, um, with all of these activities. So I think First and foremost, it's a frame of mind. It's a mindset of trust being, oh, sorry, of touch being trustworthy um, and, and, and meaningful and, and viable. I think in terms of skills, um, sure, you, you could talk about component skills like using two hands simultaneously, um, working on things like uh, grasping and pinching, um, um, one of the uh, big things that we we look at in in a couple of the recipes is that move from um, manipulating whole or sorry exploring textures of whole objects to exploring textures on let's say like uh, a little texture square to exploring lie textured lines. So there are some progressions in there, um, but by and large, what these are all trying to accomplish is really building up touch as an important way of gathering information and interacting with the world. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about, you know, I, I think I learned early on that I could get more information through touch than by trying to use the residual vision that I had, for right. example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, I think we're going to try to play a Braille Bites episode. So let's just we're going to we're going to listen to the short of Daphne's holiday cards now. Hi, I'm creating accessible holiday cards with tactile art. Let me show you how. Daphne stands behind a counter wearing a white apron with the Braille Bites logo and a green toque. Craft supplies sit on the counter. It's that time of year when cards get exchanged between family and friends. But sometimes holiday cards can be inaccessible to create, read, and enjoy. To make tactile holiday cards, I'm using the screen board that we built in Braille Bites Episode 2. I've cut out a snow person shape from a piece of cardboard. I'm laying a plain piece of paper on top of my screen board and placing the cardboard template on top of the paper. When I use the crayon to color, 
The shape of the snow person is left on the card. It can be felt as well as seen. After removing the snow person template, I'll stick on some tactile jewels to represent the snow person's eyes, nose, and mouth. Now I'm off to put these cards in the mail. Oh, that's so good. Daphne, how did you, how did you come up with the idea for this one? Well, it, it's built on using um, a screen board um, and the screen board is explained in episode two of our first Burrow Bites um, release. And it, during that episode, I demonstrate how to build a screen board using a, a regular clipboard and the metal screening and you tape the screening onto the clipboard. And then when you put a piece of paper over top of the screen board and start to color, the texture of the crayon is raised up. You can really feel it really, I mean, it pops right up. So we wanted to make something to do with the holidays coming up. And we used a, um, a template, just a cardboard, a piece of cardboard that uh, there was a cutout of a snowman done and we laid it on top. And so it kind of just seemed like a great way for kids to get involved in building greeting cards with their family and sending them to grandparents or the neighbors or each other. You know, it just seemed like a good way to do it. So. Yeah, that's so great. I wish I had had a screen board as a kid. I mean, you can feel crayon on a page, but not, not the same. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's so important to use the metal screen. I think some people try to do it with the nylon screen and it just doesn't give the same pop that you mm -hmm. need the metal screen. <laughs> I love that these Braille Bites are described. And uh, do you have like a professional company that's doing that for you? <laughs> Actually, no. We, um, we, do a, we have an iterative process where one of us writes the description and then the other one vets it. And our uh, wonderful uh, IT and multimedia specialist here at PRCVI, Colton, who is really behind uh, all of the production process and, and back end and editing and filming of these. Uh, he's the, the, the voice of our, of our descriptions. And so also just wanted to give a big shout out to, to Colton and for all the work that he's done um, with really all of the technical aspects of the entire process. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so Colton is the voice of our, of our descriptions. That's One great. thing we do with the descriptions is we we try to, as we're writing the script, actually write the description in as needed. Um, so it's, you know, integrated as early as possible mm -hmm. uh, rather than having to add it later on. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I think it's really cool because I, I know that most parents of children who are blind are not blind themselves. Some are, but not very many. So, um, you know, and the parents are the ones that are probably watching these Braille Bites. So can you talk about why it was important to describe? I could, it's just, it's just so important so that the, um, the child who is a participant here and we, and they may not be actively participating at the, at the listening stage, but they need to get a background on what, what's coming ahead. And so that over that description not only models to the parents what needs to be said um, when working in an activity, but it also gives the child a, that opportunity to sort of anticipate, mm, what is this going to be like? And um, 
one of the things that we do 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 with this with the scripts is we have sent them across to the Braille um, Literacy Canada Teaching and Learning Committee, and some of the members there have kind of read over or listened to the the um, videos just to give feedback on is that description really making the mark and and doing what we want it to do. So it's That's been awesome. helpful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so just a logistics question. How are you recording these? You do not live all in the same place. <laughs> and I'm assuming you don't have like, you know, TV studios in your in your home. So what have you how have you done this? Well, I can answer that, Sean. We um we're actually very grateful that a number of different uh, friends and partners come together to support us with this. And so we, of course, have our our, our main partner, Braille Literacy Canada and Daphne. Uh, and Daphne also mentioned the connection with the Teaching and Learning Committee in terms of providing informational support. Um, we also have uh, PRCVI's sister program, Set BC, uh, across the hall from us. And, and uh, we're able to borrow one of their workspaces. And that's our set. Um, and so we, a day in advance, we bring different things from all of our kitchens into the, the, um, uh, into work with us. Uh, some of the staff here at PRCVI bring in, um, things from their own kitchens and that's how we kind of set things up. And, uh, then we each have our Braille Bites aprons that we put on, um, and, uh, and then, uh, Daphne's able to come over and join us for a day or two of filming. And we generally go through uh, and do several episodes in at a time. And uh, and the other thing that I'll add is that um, it there's a, a lot of the media um, recording happens on one day, but it's quite a, a lengthy process to put together scripts and develop resources. Because uh, something to also mention is that on our website, on the PRCVI website, uh, specifically on the portal that we have devoted to Braille Bytes, um, we've got, uh, PDFs of all of the recipes. So, you know, you've got something downloadable that you can take away that has a, a, a materials list and some activity suggestions. Um, so the content lives not only in the videos, but also in our, uh, in these resources, which we refer to as our recipe cards. That's fantastic. I, I know we've been We've done a couple of the Braille Bites activities at our early beginnings program with our preschoolers. We've done the growth chart and the screen board, and it's been fantastic. So you're actually creating content that's helping us in our programming. So I really personally appreciate that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I think one of the things too is that the recipes are not expensive recipes. We're not using things that are going to be big outlays of money and and a lot of the materials are are such that you could easily see how you could substitute something if if it wasn't exactly what we had suggested there's other ways you could do it and I think um, it, it's great when there's things just around the house that you can pull these together pretty quickly yeah and and I feel like you know the growth chart and the screen board as a mom of a sighted child as a blind mom this would have been super helpful for me when he was younger so that we could have colored together and, you know, I could see what he was creating. Um, I wanted a growth chart, but they were all kind of visual draw a line on a piece of paper that wouldn't have meant anything to me. Um, so 
I feel like just, I know it wasn't designed with that in mind, but if there are any blind parents listening, check out the Braille Bites because there might be some activities you could do with your sighted kids that, you know, it's a different reason behind it, but still meaningful. Okay. So I read that you were releasing new videos until World Braille Day. First of all, what is World Braille Day? And uh, well, let's start there. Yeah. What is World Braille Day? Well, World Braille Day is a celebration of everything that Braille means to blind and low vision readers. Um, And it's held every year on Louis Braille's birthday. Uh, And so we've got activities and um, uh, webinars and other events, uh, games and things planned all through the month. um, Because of course, you can't celebrate Braille in just one day. Uh, so we've got things happening all across the, uh, the month. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the day itself, World Braille Day is Wednesday, January 4th. Um, and then maybe, uh, can I ask Daphne, Jen to chat about some of the things that are planned? Yeah. Tell us. Well, first up in Jan- on January 11th is going to be the ABCs of Braille Uh, sort of a Braille 101 for adults who are learning Braille. And um, some of the resources that are out there, we have a great panel coming to uh, three people who have learned Braille in their later years. Uh, They're all over 50 and um, talking about their sort of their journey as to why they decided that they needed to learn Braille, and how it's been going for them. So the celebration is going to be on the uh, January 22nd, the Saturday. And it is sort of a, oh, it's almost like a talent night. Uh, And in that we have asked people to send to us um, something that celebrates Braille for them, whether it be a poem or a song or uh, a little story about their Braille learning um, as a child or in their later years. Sorry, it's January 21st, not the 22nd. Um, and so that will be happening uh, and it should be a lot of fun. Is that like a, a virtual event that it, people can They register? all are virtual, Sean, um, every single one. And to register for them, um, go to the Nell's um uh, website under World Braille Days, and each uh, uh, each um, event is you register separately for. So we can share the link with you, uh, Sean, to include in the in the notes or the description. Uh, okay. If if there are those who are interested in in joining us for some of these great World World Braille Month events. Yes, we'll include that in the show notes. That's great. I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm wondering, and I kind of, but I already know the answer, but why is it important to have a day to celebrate Braille and Braille readers? And I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of people's ideas that Braille isn't needed anymore, but I kind of want to remind people why it is so important. So can one of you talk about that? Like, why do we need a world Braille day and why is it important to celebrate Braille? Jen, do you want to talk about it? So I can still read large print um, in certain circumstances, um, but Braille is just so much more efficient in so many circumstances. And it's, 
um, so much more portable. Like to read print, I pretty much have to be sitting at a desk with a computer or with a video magnifier. And Braille just allows me to read anywhere and to write anywhere and also to read in situations where I can't have something up blocking my face. Like uh, like Braille Bites is a perfect example because um, we had the scripts and, you know, you can't film a video with a script up in front of your face, mm-hmm. kind of struggling to read it. So um, I had all of the scripts Brailled uh, and was able to have them uh, right there on the set and reference them as needed. Um, and, and I think uh, it's an opportunity for those of us who use Braille to to celebrate and to just share how important it is to us. And also um, for people who don't know about Braille to just um, gain a bit more awareness about it and, and why it's important. We work with our, our students who are blind or have low vision um, on multiple tools, having multiple tools in their literacy access toolkits. And um, one of the one of the features that um, or one of the affordances that Braille uh, Braille allows for is um, concrete and direct access to um, to text. Uh, and so, as those of you who know who let's say listen to audiobooks or who you know use use audio input in other ways, um, you get a lot of rich input that way, but not necessarily direct contact with the text itself. And so when you're in school and learning, it's important to know, um, you know, the the formatting in a, po- a poetry stanza, let's say, or the difference between paragraphs um, and, uh, and, you know, to, to, to have direct contact with text as a means of engagement uh, is so important for learning. And uh, that's one of the affordances of Braille for students who are blind or have low vision, um, who who maybe don't read um, standard print, or as Jen mentioned, for whom the use of standard print may not be the best tool in a particular circumstance or point in time. Mm-hmm. Braille's fantastic for public speaking because you can be looking at your audience while you're reading. <laughs> I used to be in Toastmasters and everybody was jealous of me for being able to have my notes in Braille. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the other really key parts with learning Braille is that you can control your copy. Whereas if you're listening to an audio, it's really hard to go back and re-listen to something. Whereas if you want to reread something, you've got it right there under your fingertips and it's just so much easier to review it or or if you were making copy, then you can make those changes uh, just so much more seamlessly using Braille. I wanted to go back to World Braille Day for a minute because um, one of the things that we, um, it's not a workshop, but it's just an ongoing uh, resource that's gonna be available throughout the month to teachers and students with visual impairments is downloadable um, tactile graphics and games. Um, And we really wanted to focus on sort of Braille beyond just text and that, you know, you can do word searches in Braille and you can, um, you know, have tactile diagrams and maps and do activities that aren't just reading and writing. I feel like I, cause I follow Braille Literacy Canada on Facebook. There've been a couple of things lately that I didn't know existed. I can't think of what they are right now, but um, yeah, if you are, if you have a Braille reader in your life, I suggest following 
Braille Literacy Canada and, and just to, or checking out the website just to see like what is available. There are games that have Braille built in now and there are lots of resources out there. And when you just said word searches, I didn't know that was a thing that was available in Braille. So that's really cool. What, what's your plan with Braille Bites? You mentioned season one. So is there going to be a season two? There is, there will be a, a season two and we're going to be taking some of the things that we learned from season one and how uh, parents and guardians and educators and others have been engaging with our content and applying that to season two. And so we, we know that um, these people, these folks are busy and they really want content that is snappy to the point and um uh, easy to resource and uh, instructions that are easy to follow. And so we expect that season two will have um, more flexibility in terms of how the content is packaged. We'll do more short videos, um, have more uh, links to resources. Um, and we're also hopeful in season two to have some special guests as well. Um, because something that we really want to do in season two um, which we had in season one as well, is to center early Braille literacy activities and advice from Braille, more experienced Braille readers themselves. Uh, we really wanted to see the, you know, our community reflected in these videos. Um, and we're, uh, we got, had a great start to that in season one. Uh, and we're looking to build on that in season two. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see what you create next. It's been fantastic so far and uh, definitely keeping our early beginnings program stocked with ideas, which <laughs> we really appreciate. Uh, where can people find these Braille Bites? Well, a number of different places, actually. So the, they're on the, uh, their main uh, location is uh, on the PRCVI website, which we'll make sure we have a link for the, for the show notes, Sean. Um, you can also find these uh, uh, linked through the uh, PRCVI Twitter account, um, which is just at PRCVI, um, and on Instagram and TikTok as well. Um, so we really are uh, kind of across the across the board, uh, and those both of those uh, are linked on both of those accounts are linked through um, the main portal on the PRCVI site that I mentioned. As well, uh, you can go to Braille Literacy Canada and we link back to, to the uh, links that, that um, Adam's just explained. So they're also on our websites. Awesome. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here today and sharing about this. And thank you for your creativity in, in creating Braille Bites. I think it's phenomenal. And I know it's going to help a lot of families set their kids up for success. Thanks for having us, Sean. It was great. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, 
visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.